Welcome to Implement This with Microsoft Business Solutions MVP Britta Rexted and co-host Matthew C. Anderson, where we have an insider's discussion around the things we consider when implementing Dynamics 365. We're sponsored by Kingsway Soft. Kingswaysoft is a leading integration solution provider offering software solutions that make data integration affordable and painlessly easy. Thousands of enterprise clients from over 70 countries and regions rely on Kingswaysoft to integrate data with various business systems in order to drive their business efficiency and fully leverage their information assets. Kingswaysoft is a leading provider of Microsoft Dynamics integration software, including Dynamics 365, CRM, AX, NAV, GP, SL, as well as many other applications such as Marketo, Dropbox, QuickBooks, and Salesforce. Whether you need one solution or several, Kingswaysoft works easily within the SSIS platform to make your integration processes as quick and easy as possible. Many of their clients have seen three to ten times greater data integration performance after switching to the SSIS integration platform. And now, on with the show. But now it's time to think about the Dynamics 365 platform. Hello, Britta. Hi, Matt. How are you? Good. And you? I'm excited to be recording. Me too. We've been talking about this for a while. Yeah, long and, time coming. Yeah, and it is. it feels very real to have a microphone sitting in the room here mm-hmm. as we go through this. Yes, absolutely. So for those who maybe don't know who we are, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, sure. Um, my name is Britta Rexted, and I've been in CRM for, uh, gosh, six or seven years now. Uh, before that, I was a huge Excel nerd. And I just like um, fixing problems. And so wherever I was, I wouldn't be there very long before things were color-coded and organized and there was a process. And I think most things are solvable if you just really think about the process and what you need it to be. And so um, I fell into CRM by accident, but I'm so happy to be here. And I, I love kind of workflows and out-of-the-box things. That's my, my sweet spot. Right on. So... My CRM background from a from kind of an admin side starts about nine years ago, but before that, I was a user. I was in sales operations. I kind of had a love hate relationship with the Dynamics platform and a number of other CRM platforms <laughs> before that. And uh, prior to getting into the Dynamics space, I was thought I was going to be a, a programmer. I thought that would be the right path for me, looking at database design and like Visual Basic, realized that wasn't for me, got into more web design and realized, well, that wasn't the space I wanted to be in either, got into sales, which led me back to the technology side and uh, just focusing on CRM. So I've... <laughs> been been in different vary, varying states around CRM. I've had a 360 view of how it works. Yeah, and that's that's both the sometimes the good and sometimes the bad as I as I start considering what I might want to do when solving a problem in CRM. And that's yeah, I think that's part of what we're trying to drive at here with the podcast is you know as you're a newer admin, maybe newer to Dynamics, and you're trying to find what are the considerations that you should weigh when you're trying to implement this or that feature, solution, app, or enhancement without having to dive into code. And hopefully we can kind of keep it at that level as we go through this podcast. Absolutely. I think there's so much to talk about. The tool is amazing. I don't know anybody who uses all of it. Um, I've still never used all of it. 
in all this time. And um, a lot of solutions are just kind of rocks that go unturned where there is, there is something in serum that would have solved it for you, but maybe just didn't get there all the way on your own or didn't, um, didn't know the tool existed. Mm-hmm. And so we really want to help clarify that and then bring some of the background that we have where we see, just because we've been in it so long, we see so many different sides of the same problem that um, you might solve it really differently. If you have six users versus a thousand, mm-hmm. the same problem is going to look different to you than it is to somebody else. And so hearing that other side of it might help kind of shake loose some ideas and help you solve things. Yeah. And I know we're very fortunate. We've been around the Dynamics community for a long time now, and we just, we know people to talk to and hear Mm -hmm. some of these different things. But it's amazing going to, whether it's a a local conference or a national conference, you talk to people who are new to the platform and there are these conversations that certainly I, I run into very often where they just, they don't know who to talk to or ask or learn some of these these different things that seem like from from now it seems like table stakes and stuff that mm-hmm. of course you just have to know that but where do you go and get those things yeah exactly i always tell people um whenever i speak at conferences i say you're standing amongst an incredible wealth of knowledge here uh, so if you leave without answers that's that's your fault um so my trick that I try to teach people is go stand in a room of people who know more than you and complain loudly. <laughs> and that's what I do. And I've gotten so many issues. I've got problems solved at lunch. I've had people overhear me complaining to somebody else and solve my problem. And, um, and there are ways to do that. And we'll kind of talk about there's so much in this community, um, kind of every medium. There's ways to learn things. And so we're going to try to bring our own spin on that and then also encourage you to go find, find resources. There's so much help out there. Um, we're really very lucky. That's what shocked me so much when I got into the CRM space is that people are so freely giving of the information you need to be good at your job. And that's rare. You don't get that, uh, in every industry, but we really have it here and that's really cool. Yeah, totally agree. So diving into this first episode, we've got some of the the basic building blocks out there. I feel like we should start with a more real world kind of problem. And so I had a real world problem this week um, that I know if you haven't hit this yet, you just haven't been in Dynamics very long. Um, Actually, I haven't been in databases very long if you haven't hit this. And that is where you have records that are tied to the wrong lookup. For whatever reason, um, they're pointing at some relationship and you want to point them somewhere else. You know, maybe it's um, your sales guy leaves and I've got a whole bunch of records in around the spot. Maybe it's... um, just tied to a different way of doing business. Your process has changed and now you've got to move a bunch of, you know, status indicators or something else mm-hmm. down the road. There are a lot of ways to solve this problem. And so Matt and I just want to walk through all the tools that we have access to. And then um, even ones that we've used very, very recently on the job because they're what we needed at the time. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think that's what interns are for, right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been that intern a couple of times. Um, but no, no, <laughs> we can look at the platform and just start talking about some of the things. So, you know, one of the, one of the first things I think of is kind of just the bulk editing, highlighting a bunch of rows and a list in CRM, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's a, you know, advanced find or something like that, that I've created using that, that edit multiple window to be able to update in bulk. Which is nice. Uh, but cares with it a lot of limitations. For one thing, it's really, really slow, so it's kind of painful to use. Um, so you can get 250 records at a time if they're all going to be the same thing. So if you have any dynamic nature or there's any intelligence to what you're changing it to, then you're challenged. Um, so I don't love it for that. 
Uh, and then there are just some field types you can't change. Um, you can't clear a field that way, which is always a bummer when mm-hmm. um, maybe your field just needs to be empty now. Maybe the right answer is just get rid of that relationship and not have it anymore. Well, then you can't really do that in bulk edit either. And so it's it's nice for quick um, where I'm going to make the decision and solve the problem in the next five minutes. I'm probably mm-hmm. doing it with bulk edit. Um those are probably problems that few people even know exist. It's a little thing we caught in a spot check. It's something that's icky walking into a meeting. Maybe my, my data is looking junky in a chart and I want to clean it up. And I have literally five minutes or maybe 10 minutes and I'm going to use bulk edit. Um, and it doesn't take special skills to do that. Nope. As long as you have permission you know, yeah. for it, you're fine. Um, and if you're, if you're an admin, then you, um, I would assume that you do. Uh, I'm actually really careful. I don't give users bulk edit. I have, high degree of trust and training with the users I ever give bulk edit to because um, you can you have to be careful when you give people the license to do damage quickly and bulk edit is one of those tools where you can do damage really quickly if accidentally yeah, yeah. all of a sudden all your first names are a star well, you know you didn't even mean to they're just gone now and, well, and, and we, we started with the question of well there's these records where we have to update this lookup that's pointing to the wrong place how did it get there in the first place well the bulk <laughs> It might have been bulk edit. <laughs> a great way to be able to get there. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, and, and another another easy way to fall into that is with some of the things you can do using either uh, immersive Excel mm-hmm. or you know old export to Excel, change it locally on the desktop, import back yes. into Dynamics. Absolutely. So once again, something you have to give users permissions for. Actually, when I started using immersive Excel, when we got that feature, I was an admin at the time. And I had to really critically think through which users I'd given away import privileges to because, once again, I was giving them license to drive too fast and cause accidents, and I didn't want to do that. So um, so that was something, actually, a friend and I just looked at security permissions this week on bulk edit, just, or not bulk edit, on import, just to make sure with immersive Excel he wasn't giving away the ability to damage much more than 250 records at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like immersive Excel. I like, as an Excel nerd, I really love being able to use a formula to determine what I'm doing next. There's some more fluid nature to it. It's so like we're in bulk edit. All 250 would have to need the same change. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it that way uh, in immersive Excel. And it's fast. So um, once again, I, I probably can fix a problem in 10 minutes with immersive Excel. Uh, the right problem. Um, <laughs> not all problems are solved that fast, but it is, it is nice to be able to move quickly and swiftly if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And you can, uh, another thing, you know, first off, I hear you say Excel nerd and a little, you know, smile goes on in my brain because I'm definitely in that, that same camp of, well, you can probably fix it with Excel, but well, know, that's our answer for everything. I know, right? <laughs> but, but uh, on that one, you you can also use things like formulas to figure out what that value is going to be. Just make mm-hmm. sure that you don't keep it as a formula when you try re-importing, or you can run into some problems there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I use it. Um, so when I like when I use it this week, I had um, formulas and extra columns off the side, made my changes, and then made sure all my data was static and. Uh, got rid of those formulas because I didn't want it going, what on earth do you want me to do with this? Um, and then save it back to Serum, which is such a slick feature. I mean, that, mm-hmm. I um, I can use the import wizard nearly in my sleep, but hitting a button, oh, it's just, it's, just, it's just a special kind of happiness. 
Yeah. Just hit a button. <laughs> um, and for those of you who don't know, Immersive Excel, that's the um, fancy buzzword for uh, Excel online, using that with CRM. And so um, uh, if you're on online, some online version of CRM already, then you've probably seen that option where you could export to Excel online or export to Excel. I think it says on your desktop. Mm-hmm. There's the other option. So when we're talking about Immersive Excel, that's what we mean is um, it just pulls Excel online um, through Office 365 right up in your CRM window. Uh, so it is immersive. You're not leaving CRM at all. Mm-hmm. It's really slick. I, I really like it a lot. Yeah. So looking at some of the other solutions that we have just out of the box with Dynamics, one is the the editable grid. Mm-hmm. Again, a little more individual there. It is not as for doing you know a, a ton of things in a in a single attempt mm-hmm. because you are literally going into each row. There's not no copy and paste down mm-hmm. an entire column of what you're doing. Uh, it's much more manual, but you you don't have to open each of the records and try to do it. Way more user friendly. If I want help with this data, if I'm not the one doing it, Editable Grids is home run there because um, anytime you've tried to teach a user a process where they have to open each individual record, change one field, and then close it, your user adoption just nosedive. <laughs> Um, then oh, they're done that. Oh, can't, so can't they just use the little down arrow to go to the next record in the upper right hand corner that nobody no, ever uses? No, because you can't teach them that many things <laughs> at one time and still get your data right, Matt. You know this. You've been around too long. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't get people. I've had so many times where a custom, a custom entity would have totally solved the business process problem, but the reality of a user clicking and opening each individual record, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted you to do priority before on tasks where I wanted, I wanted it to rank in a particular way and I want to be able to give a manual priority number. But the thought of having to change that number, it blew up the idea. It just didn't work. Yeah. Um, so editable grids, uh, in a perfect world, uh, your users are the ones making your data work, not you. You're not the one owning mm-hmm. all the data. And, um, a lot of people are not Excel nerds. They're not as confident. And so I might be able to get my sales managers who really own the data and do some things for me if they don't have to know Excel. And mm-hmm. so um, as much as I love immersive Excel and then the old school import features we still have, um, or not old school, they're still they're still pretty awesome, but just uh, pre-immersive Excel. Classic. Classic, 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 exactly. Um, the, uh, the likelihood I'm going to hook a user's attention on that is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, Editable Grids is way shinier. So how excited on a scale of 1 to 10 are you to have Editable Grids? Just <laughs> nine years in CRM. Yeah, uh, for, as as a user, I'm not even excited about it. I'm just saying, yeah, it's about time. <laughs> as on the on the admin slash consulting side, I am thrilled that it doesn't have to be a third party solution. Mm-hmm. There's a more Absolutely. standardized way that you can do that. It works in uh, both in in subgrids as well as in normal lists inside of Dynamics. So mm-hmm. some great capability there. Yeah, very exciting. That was a, um, uh, I was at a conference when that was announced and um, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember how long the standing ovation lasted. (laughs) It was significant. I mean, people stood and clapped for a computer feature. It was really kind of a fun, it was super fun place to be. Uh, Twitter went nuts. Um, We giggled for days. We were so excited. I mean, it's just, it's, it's in the same breath. Over the moon, exciting, and about time. Seriously, yeah. like it's the same. <laughs> it's right there where we um, 
you know, we don't want to get snarky with it. We want to be grateful for the new features that we're getting. But it is, yeah, it is one of those that feels like we should have always had. Yeah. Um, it's just so natural. It fits, you know, human nature and computers so well. Yeah. Uh, but probably more of a user, I wouldn't go fix the problem in mass. If it's bigger than mm-hmm. a 10-minute problem, I'm probably not using Edible Grids for it. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. we have other options, though, still. Yeah, so, the, I'm sorry? Luckily, we still have other options. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking, so we've covered a handful of things inside of the platform, and there's been a few times now that we've talked about kind of uh, this concept of, yeah, it's it can be great, but if you have a ton of records mm-hmm. to be able to, that you need to make this change to, it can get to be problematic, time-consuming annoying risky, <laughs> through, risky. yeah risky. you don't want to make a lot of if i'm making that's why i love bulk edit to make one change but i've got to make several changes mm-hmm. and there's some degree of intelligence behind which options getting picked on each record that it gets dicey i get kind yeah. of scared about that data um data is precious we can't go in and make a lot of mistakes fast mm-hmm. uh so i get kind of nervous in some of those easy tools because i don't have the level of control that i need and i'm a very controlling yeah. person especially when it comes to data so i just really need it to be right uh. <laughs> so we we had been talking before this about uh before we started recording about a kind of real world scenario you had with a large number of updates that you were going to have mm-hmm. to make. Can you talk a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so in this scenario, um, I came into work one morning and was informed that there was an oops uh, that resulted in, we've got about 50 records that are tied to 60,000. And the 50 records that are tied to the 60,000, we don't want. And there's a different 50, totally unrelated, that need to be there instead. Uh, so a couple of problems here. One is just scale. Anytime we get to that kind of scale, a uh, five-digit number of anything, we really start to reconsider our options because mm-hmm. something that works really well in 250 records may not work well on 60,000 records. Um, the next, there was a lot of complexity to it because there was nuance. They weren't, it wasn't the same change 60,000 times. It was 50 potential changes. Um, and then there were consequences on different things. And I wanted to be really sure that we did it right. I want to be able to go back afterwards and say, I'm really confident that we got this right. I did it in such a way that someone who knows the data better than me can validate. Um, and if there is an oops, let's say one of those that's tied to 10,000 records, I want to know, I want a paper trail. Mm-hmm. And so I can go back and at least fix, I have a shot at fixing those 10,000. If I do it in some kind of bulk, whiz-bang, fast option, whew, that's that's a hard problem to fix. I think that's something yep. in design we come at a lot. It's like, okay, so what happens when it goes wrong? Yep. How do we fix it? And um, and so I was really kind of up against a problem here. So um, my gut instinct, as it is in most things, was Excel. I said, I know I can construct an Excel worksheet that is going to answer all these questions for me. I know it's going to have the paper trail that I need. Um, and then I know it's in a friendly format where I can try to kind of synthesize that data down and give it to somebody who knows the data better than I do so that they can um, verify that my instincts were right and we really did make all the right changes before yeah. I ever pulled the trigger. So my plan um, was to do it all in Excel, okay. which, um, as you know, Matt, it, you can't import 60,000 records into CRM. Um, 
you're, well, you're it's it's not just a sheer import it's the update as well oh exactly so, I, mean, I mean you just can't the import tool won't even take it i think it's, mm-hmm. it's close to a ten thousand record cap and that even depends on how big the file is i think it's i don't remember how big the file but you you uh i never go um i never go into a five digit uh five digit, five digit number with imports mm-hmm. um it's got to be uh, got to be under 9,000 records for me to even bring it in that way. And then you have to think about what workflows fire. In this case, workflows are going to fire. Records okay. are updating. So we've got, you know, server processing power to think about. Luckily, it was the weekend, so I had a little more bandwidth. I wasn't going to kick users out. But still, I'm not going to bring the server to its knees on Saturday morning. That would not be a great day for anybody. Yeah. Um, so my plan of attack was to do it in Excel because I love the Excel wizard. I know Excel. I was confident that I could get it done. And um, luckily, uh, I have smart friends and um, uh, the brilliant Evan Watson walked me through using the XRM toolbox instead and got the whole thing. Well, once the data was set up, we were able to do it with one workflow and one tool from the XRM toolbox, which was free, by the way, and got the whole thing done in two hours. Blew my mind. Could not believe that we got it done that fast. I uh, that's... My whole weekend flashed before my eyes when I saw the project, and the fact that it ran in two hours was just shocking to me. It was so awesome, and it worked great, and it, it totally, I mean, had everything that we needed. So I think we need to talk so, about XRM toolbox. I was going to say a couple questions yeah. there, because I, sitting here, know exactly what you're talking about when you say the XRM toolbox. But I didn't but... before Friday, so <laughs> at least not on this tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, can you, can you chat a little bit about kind of what the what the XRM toolbox is in general? Yeah. Actually, to backtrack a little bit before that, yeah. I've always been a hardcore, out-of-the-box only person. I'm very adverse to code. Sure. Um, now that I'm on bigger projects as a consultant, I've had to kind of accept that code does have its place, um, and we try to use it well. I, I still lean heavily on the out-of-the-box features whenever I can. And so when I was an admin... Kind of that, that concept of limiting your damage. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, and so I, uh, I have always, my mindset has always been very anti-code and, um, I'm very, very careful in vetting third-party solutions, mm-hmm. especially free ones, because I want to make sure if I'm going to solve a problem with a tool, I'm going to solve it with something that I know there are people's salaries, their mortgage payment is dependent on that tool still working. Um, not someone who wrote it one day, threw it out on the internet for free. And then the next version of CRM is going to break it. I want... I want a third-party tool that I know someone cares about and still loves and is going to keep up to date for me. Otherwise, I've solved a problem, and in my next upgrade attempt, it's all going to break, mm-hmm. and now I haven't solved that problem really. So um, it was a huge change of heart for me to even look at the XRM toolbox. It kind of took a while for me to turn around on it. It's a free tool. It's a community tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a former admin with a strong bias against using all the things I just listed, that was a really big switch for me. Um, now I'm totally in love with it. Um, had a funny conversation this week about being in love with it. And, um, my friend teasing me about, uh, um, going to tell the Axtrum toolbox I had a crush on it. And that was embarrassing. Um, it's just such a great tool. Well, it's, it's free. And, I mean, it. Yeah. And, and for me, I mean, I, I have been saying good things about XRM toolbox with clients, friends, colleagues, and, and often look for that as a place that might have that, that, thing that's going to unlock the potential of dynamics without having to roll a custom developed tool for this problem I have because the XRM toolbox literally is that collection of little utilities that are usually focused toward an admin Mm -hmm. that 
can take some of those things that are going to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of repetitive nature, or just things that you can't easily get to through the normal interface of dynamics and make them accessible. Mm-hmm. So, and, and what's been great about the XRM toolbox over time is it used to be just a, it was a static executable that you would download, you'd have on your computer. There were some tools that were in it and that was kind of it. But over the course of the last year plus, the XRM toolbox is a gateway into all of these tools. And it's almost more of a community tool that's out there, you know, a framework to be able to say, oh, here are all these other things I didn't even know were potential tools out there. Mm. And it's really well-written code, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like this is is some of Microsoft's top MVP developers that write for the XRM toolbox. So it's good code. It's really good, solid Yeah, which helped me, that also helped me come around on it too, is I, I trust the people who wrote it. I know they're not secretly hacking to my computer by downloading this tool or something. Like, I, I have a high degree of trust, and it is cool how it's become, um, there's so many people who build for it now. Mm-hmm. It really is a community. Yeah, so so which tool did you end up using for this problem that you had last week? So I... um always forget that there is a store now inside of the XRM toolbox because it is growing so much and some people are building things for it. Um, that was part of why I did check XRM toolbox when I had this problem. I thought, no, there's nothing that works here. And then moved on. And then my friend reminded me to go check the store. Um, he had a, this specific tool in mind. And that tool is the bulk workflow execution. And store does not mean money. Um, it is a great idea to donate uh, because they, these guys, they, they do it all for free. But um, uh, you just go download it. So I went and I, um, within the XRM toolbox, hit the plugin store button and then grabbed the bulk execute, bulk execution, um, tool, bulk workflow execution. And, um, and it's really, really slick. It's, uh, I just hook it up to my instance. Um, so used my, this particular CRM, um, uses ADFS, it's internet facing, you know, so I've got pretty easy credentials for, Hooking up to something like this, it was really, I gave it my username and my password and my URL. I mean, it was not not rocket science, but any stretch. Um, and then I had already written the workflow that I wanted. And luckily, the workflow was really simple. So I'd already written the workflow in that org of CRM. And um, I used an advanced find and hit the uh, download fetch XML button. Okay. Right in the advanced the, find In the advanced window. find. Yep. Um, I'm learning fetch, but I'm learning really slow. So I definitely cannot freehand fetch. I know people who can. I'm not one of those people. Um, but I just took it out and I copied it. And then I pasted it into the bulk workflow execution tool. And um, I ran mine in batches of 200. And what's nice is you, um, when you're dealing with 60,000 records, CRM is not going to get anywhere close to telling you how many you have of anything. It's going to cap out. It's going to be a hard cap at 5,000 in an advanced find. It'll say 5,000 plus records. If you dump it into Excel, it's going to tell you 10,000 records, which is not accurate. By the way, if you ever get a really round number when you're working with data, be sure it's not that you just hit the max on your tool. <laughs> because I have had times before I was like, oh, good, there's only 10,000 records. And then there weren't. There's just only 10,000 in Excel because that was where my cap hit. So it'll give you a really good record count, which was nice because I needed that. I was working mm-hmm. with two high of volumes. And I ran it in a batch size of 200. Um, you get to pick. Uh, you can also set an interval delay, which I didn't do. I didn't need it. I waited to need it, and then it, it ran so well. 
that it really wasn't a problem. But nice to know you can slow it down if you needed to. Yeah. Kind of depends what server, you know, what processing power you're working with. Well, and also, I mean, you mentioned it was a pretty basic workflow that you were, you were, yeah, created. one line. Okay. Yep. Really, really easy. I just had a lookup and it was going to switch it from one record to a different record and then be done. I mean, it was very, very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, in a bigger workflow, I would definitely. I would batch smaller and I would do some kind of an interval and I'd say test and that's always your best. Do it off hours if you ever can so you don't uh, tick off your users and then play with the speed at which you can run at. So if you've got thousands and thousands of records you're going to run a workflow on. Um, luckily this workflow, this change did not trigger other workflows to run. I was really careful to make sure that because you can start a chain event where you had, you know, it's a simple workflow and your asynchronous processing can totally handle that simple of a workflow. And then you forget that it it creates this trail of like 17 workflows in its wake. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not the one workflow you ran on 10,000 records. It's the 17 that followed it that, you know, crashes your server. So um, keep that in mind. But so I had my fetch. And what you can do actually what's really nice with this tool is if you have a view saved, you can actually just fire it on a saved view. Uh-huh. I wanted a little more control and I didn't want to go create a bunch of views. So fetch was better for me. Um, Does it work with personal views or is it just yeah. system? View? Okay. Yep. It'll work yep. with personal views. I just didn't, I had so many to make that I didn't, I didn't want to create that many personal views. Yeah. And save them and name them and know what you're, yeah. yeah. It was the pain. I didn't want to create the clutter. So I decided not to do it, but there are so many instances where a save view is definitely going to get it done for you, um, yeah. which is nice. Um, Although I must say, as a non-developer, you feel pretty cool when you're copy and pasting fetching and then something <laughs> works. Um, just saying. When people look over your shoulder at your laptop, they're like, ooh, they're doing real work. But like I am. Uh, it's copying and pasting, you know, like a four-year-old could do. But it's fetch and you feel cool. So if you want to feel cool, hit the button, download the fetch, paste it into the tool. Otherwise, um, you can totally use a view and that will it, it gets the job done either way. It really, the tool does not care. Depends how cool you need to feel that day. Um, so then you just run it, and then it tells you when you're done. And so I ran it in the background. I did other stuff, other work that I needed to do, and then was shocked and amazed that um, within two hours I was done with the whole thing. I mean, it just totally blew me away. And I, I love workflows. So my as much as I love Excel, I love workflows a tiny bit more. So being able to use a workflow instead of doing this huge import, because I get scared in Excel that I'm going to have a copy-paste error, I'm going to drag a box a little too far, and then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. 10,000 records are wrong. Um, So I do feel safer in a workflow with those kinds of changes. It was nice that I could have, if I wanted to have like a condition check first, if Mm -hmm. my data was a little bit harder to figure out, I could have had the workflow do some conditioning for me the same way I could do in Excel. So you can get there either way. I will absolutely use this tool, though, going forward on those big imports. I'm not going to do it in Excel anymore. And I've done, and that's coming from someone who's spent countless weekends doing these kinds of projects in Excel. You definitely can get there. But, man, was this nice. Well, and, you know, the the moral of the story is you get your weekend back. Yes, exactly. And be friends with Evan Watson and ask his advice on things because, seriously. um, Or just have have smart friends who know the tool better than you and ask them lots of questions. I have some people that I, um, young consultants I'm mentoring and I tell them, I think the longer in the field, the shorter you wait to ask a question. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're early, you wait weeks or maybe months. I used to save questions for conference season and I'd have this little file <laughs> and I just hang on to them. And like my users knew and like they'd add questions and I'd go with my little notebook and I'd show up and I'd walk up to people <laughs> 
and I'd open my notebook and throughout the conference I'd be marking them off and now I wait like two hours sometimes <laughs> not it depends if the person I know I have their cell phone number I might text them um and I get the same text as reciprocal so Absolutely. you know I'm not just like you know billing for other people's expertise yeah, I mean, or anything but since- it, it's a good lesson that you shouldn't don't please don't wait six months to go see people in person so you can ask a question. Yeah, I, I know I'll be sending out the link to this podcast episode to those very people that I often ask for that type of help, feedback, insight. So mm-hmm. I would like to take this opportunity to say thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> we are standing on the shoulders of brilliant people who've helped us get this far, and we really appreciate them a lot. Um, so something I think is really exciting, Matt, to do on this podcast is let people ask us those questions. You and I are spoiled rotten because we have some of like the very best minds in the industry. Um, and then we've also got the hookup with Microsoft. So mm-hmm. if they can't answer it, we there's people who can. Um, but we didn't always have that. I, that's fairly recent for me having that. Um, and so I think it'd be kind of cool if the podcast was an option for people to get those kinds of questions answered. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we so the one of the easiest places to go and do that is go to our website, which is implementthis.org. You can click there to be able to access us and reach us, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's through an email, whether it's submitting through the site to be able to get those questions in. We can sit here and talk smart about things that we come up with, and hopefully they'll be interesting to people. But if it comes from you all out there... We at least know some of that that human touch that we'll have, that that real help that we'll be giving back to people. So mm-hmm. um, please, please do implement this.org and uh, connect with us there. Yeah, absolutely. Piggyback on our on our network. Um, we're lucky enough to have it. We'd love to share it. If you stump us, then you know we'll just go fire, hire up the food chain and find somebody else. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, please hit the website and let us know what you're fighting with or those debates. Um, you got to love those debates when it's like the admin versus the developer or um, I get in those a lot. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, So I, I, maybe I'm just an instigator on this kind of stuff, but I like just taking whatever the other side is because sometimes having those debates does – it'll either reinforce what the right answer is or really prove oh, out like, shoot, there are – there really are a lot of good options here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's always, you want to make sure that you pick the right one. And that's the thing I've learned about Microsoft technology is they usually give me five ways to do something. And, um, and what's great about that is then I have, uh, I have multiple options to solve the same problem. What's uh, scary about that. If I feel kind of lost is I have no ability. I feel like I have no ability to pick which one is right. And so sometimes hearing someone else's take on why I wouldn't use it that way, or why it does work for me, but wouldn't work to sit for the person sitting next to me. That's just really comforting to have that. Um, and then sometimes you just hear things that you wouldn't have heard otherwise. Um, it's also really good to have best practices in line. When I was an admin, I only knew my implementation. And that's why I worked really hard to build my network, to find people who were in my job, in my same industry, my job in a totally different industry that looked nothing like mine. So that we could banter about how you do big imports like this. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the best practice? Because sometimes someone, you know, someone in healthcare has a totally different take because of regulations or because of rules they have, where there's there's maybe a pitfall I had never thought of. Maybe there's a risk I'm not considering. Maybe there's a huge upside to using a particular tool that because 
I'm being snobby and I'm not using community <laughs> tools I'm missing out on. Right. And so, um, so it's really good to have, um, both to have access to kind of those best practice conversations, debates, if you want to call them that. Um, and then, uh, build your own network of people that you can have those with because there, a lot of things, there isn't a right answer. And that for some people is really scary. Um, especially if you're, you're more like a math engineering kind of person where there's Mm -hmm. absolutely right answer. Software doesn't really have that, you know? Um, we just, we don't, there's, there's usually multiple ways to solve a problem, which is great. And I'd, I'd rather have that than be stuck with only one. All right. Well, I think that sounds like a pretty good place to wrap this. Yeah, great. So I really want to hear more about Editable Grids. Can I pick your brain on that next time? Sounds great. All right. Sounds good. All right. You've been listening to Implement This with Britta Rexted and Matthew C. Anderson. Do you have a business problem you'd like us to discuss on the show? Reach us through our website, implementthis.org, where you can also subscribe to the podcast. We're on Twitter, too. Britta is at MacGyverCRM, and I'm at MC Anderson. Thanks so much for listening.